Thank you for listening to the Hillsview Men's Ministry. We are a group of men building relationships to equip and encourage each other. Good morning. Um, I think you maybe know me. I'm Mark Merchant, and I'm a regular attender here at Hillsview. I've been in the Black Hills. I often tell people I grew up and lived within 150 miles of Mount Rushmore my whole life. So that started here in Rapid City, and my family is from down by Kadoka, south of Kadoka, uh, south of the Badlands. When I was a first grader, we moved to Lusk, Wyoming, so that's 150 miles that way. And I went to 12 years of school out there <clears throat> and uh, passed up a scholarship to college so I could be a cowboy. And when I was 20, God blessed me with my own ranch. I used to ride Larry's horse on that ranch. and. Uh, and then moved to Rapid City in 1980, and I've been around Rapid City most of the time, except for a few short stints in other places ever since. <clears throat> I do a lot of uh, economic development, business development, organizational development consulting. Often people ask me who've known me my whole life, what is it that you do? And they, <laughs> they still don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> and so it's a little hard to say, what do I do? Um, I'm a jack of all trades. I'm sure master of none. I'm honored to be um, invited to lead our discussion uh, for the next three months. That doesn't mean you have to be here for three months, for the next three times we meet. And um, really, I would tell you that the topic is my testimony. Uh, my journey with Jesus. Really, that's all we can really as Cal prayed, uh, all we can really do is give a hope, a defense for the hope that's within us, right? I can't give a defense for the hope that's in you, the one that's in me, right? So that's what this series will be about. <clears throat> and basically laying out for you what the foundations of faith are for me. Now, I hope that those are biblical. And so if they're biblical, they're the same for me as they are for you. Amen. Amen. So the foundations of faith for me, how God has put together my understanding of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom that he says lives within me and how I am to seek that kingdom and where it is that I can find it. Obviously, the cornerstone of a foundation is who? Jesus. Just Jesus. Okay. I hope that you get that phrase by the time we're done. It's not Jesus plus, it's just Jesus. And I had this conversation with someone the other day. It seems like in my journey, which started uh, 51 years ago, um, I'm not learning more, I'm learning less. Do I hear amen? Uh, for the first part of my journey, I was adding on all kinds of, I got it, and let's, you know, I got that, and you don't have that, and, and then, Boom. <clears throat> this is going on in our series about Joshua. We have this miracle experience called the Red Sea, right? We've, all, we've been set free from the bondage of sin. And that happened to me when I was 16 years old. But at 25, God got me out of the wilderness and showed me what the next thing was. And up to that point, I was adding on a lot of my own strength and understanding. And ever since then, it's been taking away. To what? 
just Jesus. Jesus. Amen? Amen. So I hope that's a phrase that will hang in your head. And between now and next month, that thought will be going through your heart and your spirit. And he will speak to you. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. So another foundational verse that I think has always hit me, and I think it's basically what you should introduce any talk with. For I always pray to God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you, okay, you and me, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I am confident that Ron prays before he steps up to any message he gives. God, give them revelation. That in some way the scales will be lifted from our eyes in one scale at a time, maybe in bunches. Like the peeling of an onion, reveal to me the truth. Do you know that we can't handle it all at once? So why do we get frustrated, right? How many of you men have children? Duh. Okay. How many of you wanted that baby that dropped out of your wife's womb to be 35 the next day? That wouldn't be any fun, would it? There was the journey, right? It was the discovery of life. The mistakes made. The learning and the wisdom that now you share and you hope they are still on their journey, right? This is what God wants. He wants us to be a process. He could have saved us in the twinkling of an eye, and in the next moment I get a glorified body, I never have to deal with the flesh, I never have to deal with temptation. He could have done that, right? Everybody say amen. He could have. Did he? No. Well, is he in charge? Is he wiser than us? Yep. Yep. So why do we struggle against his wisdom, right? Self-will. Whatever we go. Preach it, brother. <laughs> of insight into mysteries and secrets. One of the phrases you'll hear Pastor Ron talk about is the mystery of what? The gospel. The gospel, which is? Jesus Christ. Christ where? In our religion. In, no, Christ in me, right? This is a mystery. And a mystery is often, I love to watch mysteries, right? CIA movies and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to see the end. I don't start at the last and then, oh, now I can, no, I hate to watch something over again. I want the mystery to unfold, right? And the mystery of Christ in us, the gospel is unfolding. And I'm going to try to share with you how it's unfolded in me. And hopefully that's a revelation to you. And an encouragement to you. In the knowledge of him. I want you to fix on that word a second. How many of you have lots of information about being a Republican or being a Democrat? The knowledge of him is not informational. It's intercourse. This is probably dated for some of us with gray hair. Remember the movie Carnal Knowledge? What was that about? It's about carnal sex, right? It's, is sex something God made yep. at the very beginning? Yep. And was it to be holy? Yep. 
Was it to be precious? Yes. Was it to be unique? Yes. Who made it everything that it isn't now? Not God. Satan. Amen. He turned it into carnality, right? Because of its power. How precious it is to him. So the knowledge of him is a sexual term. Had you thought about that? Intimate. It's about intimacy. How many words start with I-N? Intimate. Christ in you, the mystery of the gospel. Intimate. Intercourse. Incarnation. Amen. Think of how many words between now and next month that start with I-N that are descriptive of our relationship with our Savior, with our God, who by grace through faith, not of myself, gifted me this new life. Okay? By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. Right, Ron? Don't we pray for that? For me. By knowing Ron sits down to write a sermon, he says, Father, flood me with light, right? I got to get it for me before I could ever share it with someone else so that you can what? No. No. And understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones, and so that you can know and understand. That's why we come, right? I think we come for the breakfast. But I'm sure Cal is hoping that you come for something else. Fellowship? Friendship? Is that why you remember this church? Just to be a social butterfly on Sunday mornings? Saturday once in a while? Or do you come so that you might know and more deeply understand this relationship you have with the creator of this universe? Amen. Amen? Amen. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with who? Kills you? The man on Saturday morning? Just Jesus. Just Jesus. Jesus. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of what? The doctrine of whatever, whatever. No, of his person. This is a personal intimacy. More strongly and more clearly, and I wrote this, my bridegroom. Amen. My bridegroom. My testimony is about my marriage with my bridegroom. And that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. Anybody looking for power to do whatever it is that life comes? Where's that come from? And that I may so share his sufferings so to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness. That I might know him. I want that. The power of his resurrection. The fellowship of his suffering. No, I'd rather not do that. <clears throat> Why do we suffer? Why do hard things come into our life? What are we going to do with them when they do? How do we perceive them? What are they trying to accomplish in the kingdom of heaven? When the sufferings that came. This will be a much more personal testimony in week, the third session, but <clears throat> when Jesus came in to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, 
Was that a good day? Yeah. Everybody goes, hooray! We've got our political leader. Our president is going to run and change the politics of our of our country. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This is what we want, right? It was a good day. <clears throat> what happened five days later? Good or bad day? Actually, it was a good day because it was resurrection. From the perspective of the Jewish people, it was a bad day. They had lost their king. From their perspective, it was a bad day. Have you had things happen to you that look good and the next time you turn around, they were bad? Was God still in control on Good Friday? Yep. Absolutely. Was it a bad day? Yes. Was it a righteous day? Yes. Was it a sovereign day? Was it exactly the way it was supposed to be? And when things happen in your life and my life that look bad, are they also good? Can they be? Are they all working together for righteousness? So let me ask you this question. What is a miracle? It's not hard. Come on. Anybody? The answer to prayer. Huh? It said the answer is to prayer. Answers to prayers or miracles? <clears throat> What's a miracle? Go ahead. Something that I can't do. Something that what? Something that I can't do. Something that you can't do. Well, then who can do a miracle? Our Lord. Just Jesus. <laughs> Just Jesus. <laughs> So what is a miracle? Not something I can do, right? So are there things in your life that you have realized you cannot do? Did you birth your children? Are you taking credit for that? Are you taking responsibility for that? You didn't birth your child. God did. Am I right? I had these friends that were having a lot of sex, but they weren't having babies. What was the problem? Wasn't that they weren't having sex. Right? God had not taken the seed of the man and the seed of the woman and made what? Life. A miracle. Amen? Amen. And regardless of whether that act of sex was out of love and appreciation or rape or all the evil that the world can imagine... When that baby is born, who's responsible for that? It's only something God can do, right? And it won't happen unless he decides to do it, right? You didn't happen until God decided to birth you into this world. He also chose your parents, but he is the one that did the miracle. Amen? Mm -hmm. So what is a miracle? Something only God can do. Amen? Can you meditate on that the rest of this month and next month? Miracle. <clears throat> what is a union? You hearing me okay through this? Yeah. What is a union? A joining of forces. A bond. Hmm? A bond. A bond? Bondage. Anybody else? <clears throat> What's a union? Melody. Melding. Connection. Connection. 
Got a couple examples for you. Is this a union? Collection. It's a collection. I would call it a congregation. Yeah. Bunch of rocks. Bunch of stones. You found my brain. All in one location, right? But is this union? No. Why do you say that? Because it's not complete. Here's the reason why you can say that. Is because I can take a rock out. I can separate it from the rest of the rocks, right? Yeah. I can do that. The rock can do that. That's not a union. That's a congregation, <coughs> right? You all know what this is, right? Oh, yeah. It's your favorite drink. You're addicted to it. What is this? Green. Green. No. That's union. <coughs> Why? Can I take the cream out of there once I put it in? Well, with difficulty. <laughs> he says with difficulty. I'm going to say just no. <laughs> no, I can pour this out and it can evaporate, but will I see cream here and coffee there? No. Once joined together, I can't separate it, can I? That's union, right? So a miracle is something only God can do. And if only he can do it, I can't separate it, can I? What God can put together. And that's union. That's not congregation. That's not combination. Okay? It's something only God can do. So what is miraculous union? Here's the first miracle. Y'all know John chapter 3? How many have ever read John chapter 3? How many can quote a verse in John chapter 3? What was Nicodemus asking about? How to get to the kingdom of heaven, right? How to have eternal life. And what did Jesus say? You have to be what? Born. But he used another phrase that confused Nicodemus. Again. Which implied that there was a born and then born again. What does it mean to be born? Physically. That's what he was talking about, right? Coming out of your mother's womb. What would you just decide? Is that a miracle? Are you a miracle? Ron, what's your mom's name? Mary. Mary. Your dad's name? Patrick. Are you a combination of Mary and Patrick? Can I take Mary out of you right now? Really? Could you change your name from McLaughlin to Merchant? Could you change your sex? <laughs> Could you change your nationality, move to Timbuktu? And deny that you were ever Mary and Patrick's father or child? You could deny that, couldn't you? Did that change the fact that you're their child? If we bring your ashes back from Timbuktu and do a DNA analysis of that, will we find out that you have the same DNA as Mary and Patrick, even though you denied them, even though you were the prodigal son who left their home and their blessing and all their love, and you did adultery 
with your bridegroom Jesus? Would we find out that you're still their son? Yep. Right? Yep. Would you dwell on that for a while? What God puts together, can man separate? Huh? No one born of God deliberately, knowingly, habitually practices sin. Okay, that's another conversation. God's nature abides in him. Here's what the Amplified Bible says. His principle of life, the divine sperm. Oh, that's kind of a... I didn't know my Bible was needed to be gleaned for bad terms. It uses the word sperm. We don't, we don't talk about sperm at church. The divine sperm, right in your Bible. This is biblical, okay? Got a couple of videos for you. Fertilization is the epic story of a single sperm facing incredible odds to unite with an egg and form a new human life. It is the story of all of us. During sexual intercourse, about 300 million sperm enter the vagina. Soon afterward, millions of them will either flow out of the vagina or die in its acidic environment. However, many survive because of the protective elements provided in the fluid surrounding them. Next, the sperm must pass through the cervix, an opening into the uterus. Usually, it remains tightly closed, but here the cervix is open for a few days while the woman ovulates. The sperm swim through the cervical mucus, which is thinned to a more watery consistency for easier passage. Once inside the cervix, the sperm continues swimming toward the uterus, though millions will die trying to make it through the mucus. Some sperm remain behind, caught in the folds of the cervix, but they may later continue the journey as a backup to the first group. Inside the uterus, muscular uterine contractions assist the sperm on their journey toward the egg. However, resident cells from the woman's immune system, mistaking the sperm for foreign invaders, destroy thousands more. Next, Half the sperm head for the empty fallopian tube, while the other half swim toward the tube containing the unfertilized egg. Now, only a few thousand remain. Inside the fallopian tube, a tiny cilia push the egg toward the uterus. To continue, the sperm must surge against this motion to reach the egg. Some sperm get trapped in the cilia and die. During this part of the journey, chemicals in the reproductive tract cause the membranes covering the heads of the sperm to change. As a result, the sperm become hyperactive, swimming harder and faster toward their destination. At long last, the sperm reach the egg. Only a few dozen of the original 300 million sperm remain. The egg is covered with a layer of cells called the corona radiata. The sperm must push through this layer to reach the outer layer of the egg, the zona pellucida. When sperm reach the zona pellucida, they attach to specialized sperm receptors on the surface. 
which triggers their acrosomes to release digestive enzymes, enabling the sperm to burrow into the layer. Inside the zona pellucida is a narrow, fluid-filled space just outside the egg cell membrane. The first sperm to make contact will fertilize the egg. After a perilous journey and against incredible odds, a single sperm attaches to the egg cell membrane. Within a few minutes, their outer membranes fuse and the egg pulls the sperm inside. This event causes changes in the egg membrane that prevent other sperm from attaching to it. Next, the egg releases chemicals that push other sperm away from the egg and create an impenetrable fertilization membrane. As the reaction spreads outward, the zona pellucida hardens, trapping any sperm unlucky enough to be caught inside. Outside the egg, sperm are no longer able to attach to the zona pellucida. Meanwhile, inside the egg, the tightly packed male genetic material spreads out. A new membrane forms around the genetic material, creating the male pronucleus. Inside, the genetic material reforms into 23 chromosomes. The female genetic material, awakened by the fusion of the sperm with the egg, finishes dividing, resulting in the female pronucleus, which also contains 23 chromosomes. As the male and female pronuclei form... Question. How many lives are there in that picture? 23. There's two. There's male and female. Two, right? Mm -hmm. Two cells, right? <clears throat> pull them toward each other. The two sets of chromosomes join together, completing the process of fertilization. At this moment, a unique genetic code arises, instantly determining gender, hair color, eye color, and hundreds of other characteristics. This new single cell, the zygote, is the beginning. How many cells did he say that we had? One single cell. We had two. How many do we have now? And now the cilia and the fallopian tube gently sweep the zygote toward the uterus, where he or she will implant in the rich uterine lining, growing and maturing for the next nine months until ready for birth. This all happened in how, how much time? Let's not worry about that right now. So what happened? Two became one. Got that? That's pretty simple, right? Anybody can get that. Two things became one. Is that a miracle? Oh, yeah. Is only God able to do that? Yep. Amen? Amen. Yep. <clears throat> right? <clears throat> I was winding down last time around. We were in Tyler, Texas. The night was over. A guy walks up to me. I wish I could tell you the whole story. It was so of God. Introduces himself to me. He says, how are you doing? I just want to say hello. I said, it's nice to meet you. He says, you guys winding the tour down. Uh, where are you going to go from here? I said, well, I'm on my way back home to Atlanta, Georgia. 
He said, well, what's next for you? I said, I'm going to be preaching the next two Sundays for my pastor back in Atlanta. He said, oh, cool. What are you preaching on? I said, well, the series is on the glory of God in the human body. He said, that's really amazing. I'm a molecular biologist at the university down the road. Give me your talk. And I was like, oh, wow, I wasn't quite yet ready to unload the talk for a molecular biologist. So I kind of stumbled through what I had, and he's kind of being kind and gracious and like, uh-uh, that's good. And then he says, well, what's your big left hook? you got to have a left hook, a big finish, right? I said, I don't have a left hook yet. He said, oh, Louie, oh, man, your left hook is laminin. And I'm, I'm totally blank on laminin. He goes, Louie, it's a cell adhesion molecule. Protein molecule? Do you know about proteins? I'm like, no. He said, look, cells organize into certain molecular structures, and that determines what protein there are. There are between 10 and 60,000 proteins in the human body. We don't even know how many proteins are in the human body. But one of them is a cell adhesion molecule. It's organized into this certain structure, and that tells the cell what its job is in the body. And this one is a cell adhesion molecule. I'm like, all right. He said, no, Louie, it's like the rebar of the human body. The steel they put in the concrete when they lay the foundations of things, it's that stuff. It's, it's holding your membranes together. It's the glue of the human body, Louie. It's laminin. you got to tell them about laminin. And I'm like, I promise you, I'm going home and tell them about laminin. And I'm sure when I do, revival is going to sweep across the church and probably around the world when I tell them. He said, no, 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 no. You've got to see laminin. I'm like, okay. Let's see it. He said, no, no, no. You need to go look it up online. You need to go Google laminin. I don't even know how to spell laminin. He takes his card out. He writes on the back, L-A-M-I-N-I-N. -I -N -I -N. I'm like, okay. I cannot wait to get to my computer and get on Google, click on images, type in laminin, and I'm waiting. And these little thumbnails come up on the screen, and I'm like... That's laminin, the cell adhesion molecule. Woo! <laughs> I am so excited. I am beside myself. I cannot believe what I'm seeing. I love laminin. I'm so fired up. You should see laminin, I guess. That's the thing, right? Okay. Here is a scientific diagram of a laminin cell adhesion molecule that's holding your body together right now, okay? This is what I found right here. No, come on, that's crazy. That's just crazy. I emailed a guy back so fast, I'm like, wow, 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 what in the world? He said, do you want to see an actual laminin molecule? I'm like, oh, no, man. The diagram was cool for me. I'm happy with that. Don't, don't bother sending anything else. I'm like, yes! And he sends me this image, an electron microscopic image of an actual laminin protein molecule. It looks just like this. crazy is that? That the stuff that holds our bodies together, 
that's holding the lining of your organs together, holding your skin on, is in the perfect shape of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately I'm thinking about the words of Paul in Colossians 1. You know this beautiful passage where Paul's talking about the supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. He says, for by him, talking about Jesus Christ, all things have been created, things in heaven and things on earth. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. But then the next verse goes on to say this. It's crazy. And he, Jesus, is before all things. And in him, that is, in Jesus Christ, all things hold together. It's right, it's right there. I'm like, of course they do. Of course they do. Everything holds together in Jesus Christ. And he goes on at the end of this paragraph, and he just tells the story of grace. He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Every time I see that picture of laminate, I just... I can't hardly handle that. Pretty cool, isn't it? <clears throat> Are you fearfully and wonderfully made? <clears throat> Looks like evolution did a pretty good job, right? <clears throat> really? Okay, review. What's a miracle? Something only God can do, right? And when God does it, <clears throat> can man take it apart? No. No. Amen? <clears throat> Dwell on that this month, would you? And the first miracle is you. Your children. Your grandchildren. And God made you and imagined you before the foundations of the world. And he had then decided that you would need grace. Amen? Amen? Way before you ever really needed it, he knew you would need it. And he died for you and provided grace before your first sin. So is that already taken care of? Amen. Yeah. And he had a purpose for you and in Revelation it says that you might walk in good works. Next time we're going to talk about the word good. Okay? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Is it possible for there to be bad things in the tree of life? Yes. Is it possible for me to do good things in my own strength? Yes. That are not him doing it through me. And only that which he does through me is good. It's a mystery. We have to get it figured out. Amen? 
miraculous union. Dwell upon that, if you would, brothers, okay? I'll pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these men. I really do thank you for these men. They are a miracle of physical life. But I trust that each of them have experienced the miracle of spiritual life. That your divine sperm has entered their dead spirits and birthed within them a new creature. Now holy and blameless because of the origins of that genetic code that comes only from you. And that we now have it because of that miracle. And because it's you doing it, we can never lose it. May we rest in our eternal security. We pray that you will give us revelation of this enormous truth of miraculous union. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.